side and hidden again at high. I might as well have come across Spanish doubloons. Soon I was bringing hammers and a plastic bucket, and returning in my canoe with more oysters than I could eat. Some I would whack off with a hammer and open on the spot, returning the empty shells to the lagoon. This was a revelation. No raw bar required. Those oysters took me out of the suburbs and into a relationship unchanged since prehistory. Was I a Florida eighth grader in an Ocean Pacific t-shirt or a Timucuan Indian boy cruising the coast? You couldn't have told from my meal. When I think back on those oysters, I'm first and foremost pleased that I'm not dead. Those were risky oysters. Vibrio vulnificus, a parasite that infects oysters and is responsible for a few deaths a year, lives only in warm water. Stick to cold-water northern oysters and your risk is virtually non-existent. I'll bet the water in my lagoon was 80 degrees Fahrenheit. I didn't harvest another oyster myself for 25 years. That one was in Maine, about as far from my warm Florida oysters as I could get. On the frigid shore of the Damariscotta River, I pulled up a thick-shelled oyster, held it awkwardly against my thigh, pried it open with a knife, cut its adductor muscle, and dumped it into my mouth. The meat was cool, briny, and brimming with life. I felt full of well-being and deeply connected to the earth, as well I should have. A mile up the river inlet, a two-thousand-year-old shell maiden bore testament that humans had been connecting to the earth in just this spot, in just this way, for a long, long time. My Damariscotta oyster belonged to the exact same species, eastern, Crassostria virginica, as the mosquito lagoon oyster I'd eaten a quarter-century earlier in Florida but it couldn't have tasted more different. Where the Florida oyster tasted a bit muddy and soft, the Maine oyster was fresh, firm, and briny as all get-out. It tasted like, well, Maine, and it drove home a point that is central to this book. More than any other food, oysters taste like the place they come from. Oysters are creatures of bays and tidal pools and river inlets, of places where marine and terrestrial communities collide. While they are creatures of the sea, they draw their uniqueness from the land and how it affects their home waters. They have a somewhereness to them, like great wines, and in a mass-produced society where most foods don't seem to be from anywhere, This makes them special. You can't look at a grape and tell that it's from northern Chile. You can't taste a supermarket ribeye and say, Ah, yes, the grasslands of Wyoming. But, with an oyster, you can sometimes pinpoint its home simply by looking at it. With a little practice, you can often tell by tasting it. Think of an oyster as a lens. Its concave shell focusing everything that is unique about a particular body of water into a morsel of flesh. 
That's why not only do Florida oysters and Maine oysters taste different, but oysters in one Maine bay taste different from oysters in the next. The wine term for this is terroir, and you'll see it a lot in this book. On one hand, it makes perfect sense to speak of terroir with oysters, which exhibit their provenance so precisely. Yet, taken literally, it makes no sense at all. Terroir, after all, refers to terra firma, and oysters' terra isn't very firma. But it's a term already familiar to most readers, and speaking of merwa would get you laughed out of most restaurants. So, terroir it is. So closely is an oyster's flavor tied to its location that oysters are traditionally named for the place they come from. The East and Gulf Coasts, for example, have only one native...